Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Well, here we are again for our, welcome to our fourth, what is now our fourth, fourth episode fourth podcast, yes. of Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. This I'm is Audie. Audie. Charles. John. And with us uh, today, a special guest, Josh Cato, uh, cosplay extraordinaire. He says no, but he's being very modest. No, he's, he is. Uh, could you turn my volume? Yeah. Because, yeah, you've turned him down too far, I think. But no, sweet. No, Josh is... Dude, you're in a special class all your own. Ah, uh, no, there's, there's dude. You taught yourself. You taught yourself how to sew. You, I, sh- I saw that thumb wound you had that got oh. infected. <laughs> you have put in the price for excellent cosplay, and it shows. Um, do we have a picture of him in his uh, FMA outfit? We can throw one up. That'd be awesome. In post, if 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 that would be okay with you. C- cover. Cover John with it. Yes, we will. About it. We'll just put it right over John. Yeah. But yeah, well, Josh, so here's the thing. How long have you been doing this? Um, so actually, the first time I ever cosplayed was uh, almost four years ago to the, well, yeah, yeah, it was about four years ago. Uh, first time I ever really competed with it anyway was at uh, British Fest uh, here in Omaha. Um, and I, I had. What I would call an eye-opening moment, I think a lot of cosplayers do, which was um, I entered the the cosplay contest in a 10th Doctor suit I had purchased uh, online from a retailer uh, named uh, uh, Manioli Clothiers. I always get that wrong. Um, And I entered the contest actually wearing a women's version of the 10th Doctor coat that, that Bill's wife had lent me because mine hadn't arrived yet. And we get to the end of the contest, and the judge pulls me aside, and she said, man, that was fantastic. You look exactly like the character. We can't award you anything. And I went, but I, I look just like the character. She's like, right, but you didn't make any of it. And I went, people make these? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, right. it, it just blew my mind it, because you see a lot of the costumes, and they look store-bought and professional and and she's like, yeah, people sew their own and do do all the armor crafting and leather work. And I went, oh man, I have to I have to get started then. And went out and bought a sewing machine on Amazon Gold Box deal, and then uh, started with a pillowcase, which was terrible. And I did a second pillowcase, which was slightly less terrible, and uh, kind of went from there. So I could actually learn to sew just by sewing pillowcases. Um. It's, it's kind of funny. Most people who start sewing having not had any experience before, there's, there's a few starter projects everybody does, which is a pillowcase, um, some type of bag, and then usually like a T-shirt, something basic and simple that you can follow a pattern on. Um, if, if you get through those and you're like, I, I hate this, I'm, I've not enjoyed any part of this, it's probably not for you. Um, I would get to the end of one of those projects and go, okay, like, 
there's definitely stuff I could do better. I, I'm just not sure how to do it yet, so I'm, I'm just going to keep banging away at it until I, until I have it figured out, and now I'm fully tailoring my, my own suits and occasionally making stuff for other people if they ask me really nicely. And, it's and, the, and the stuff he's making uh, is amazing. I mean, you know, you would think if you're just making something for cosplay, you want it to just look good on the outside. But his go so far as even the inside of the pockets are lined. Yeah, uh, things that people will never see. Well, <laughs> um, there is what it, earlier before before we started recording, I talked about what I would call like an uncanny valley. And there's sort of the same thing with cosplay for me a little bit. And I, I've talked to other people about this, where if you take a character, particularly an anime character, which is where a lot of cosplay comes from, there, there's two directions you can go with it, which is super saturated, very cartoony, but you, you should be cell shading yourself at that point and really try and make it look like it's a drawing. Or, and this is the direction I prefer go to uh, most of the time, try to make it realistic. Bring if, it into the real world. Yeah, if, if somebody wore this outfit walking down the street, it should look natural. Um, and I have found that particularly as the the skills that I've have or I, I possess has increased and as I've I've kind of jumped in the competition ladders, the the closer you get to well, I'm I'm in the master slash professional division now. As you should be. And and everybody there is making clothes, not costumes. Um so if I make a suit, it's fully lined. It's got interior pockets. It's it's a suit that you could, you know, wear down the street or have professionally tailored. Um, and I I, I kind of like going that direction because even if I stopped cosplaying tomorrow, I, I have a skill set now that I possess where I could go to the fabric store, find a material I like, and, and make myself a really well-tailored suit. And instead of paying anywhere from one to four thousand dollars for a really nice professionally tailored suit i could do it for 200 bucks do well, you feel better knowing that that lining's there the lining that no one will see does it make you feel more like you've done what you're supposed like it, it completes your cosplay um here here's what i could tell you um i have made suit jackets without a lining if you've ever tried to put a suit jacket on over a shirt without a lining in it you Ooh. know it's a difference <laughs> um most of those little details I put in because it's, it's A, the proper way to do it, and B, um, it, it doesn't really take that much more time or effort. Now, uh, when I first started learning to do some of the more advanced tailor, uh, tailoring techniques like pad stitching and, and composing the, the canvas that goes on the interior, um, appropriately lining like the, the, the pockets and doing proper welts, all that stuff, it, it, it does take time, um, but I'm also really fascinated and intrigued by some of the architecture that goes into that work. And it's, it's at a point now where the most recent um, cosplay I did, which was a character from an anime called Full Metal Alchemist uh, Brotherhood, I did a version of uh, Lieutenant Colonel Mace Hughes for that. Um, that outfit took 15 days to make. If I had tried that four years ago, it would have been months. And it's just because of repetition and practice. And, and a trail of personal failure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's what keeps me from sewing is I, I don't know if I could handle my first mistake. Oh. So do you now, will you criticize costumes on the television or movie 
based on the stitch work, et cetera? Um, no, because most of the costumes you see on, on television or movies are, are done by industry professionals who are putting in just the same amount of work that I would. If, if I, I actually, having um, traveled to L.A. a lot for cons in, in recent years, I've met um, some very talented people who do that. And um, w- one of them I know has worked as a costumer, a robot chicken, actually. So he's making costumes for, for, for little tiny action mattress, figures yeah. and dolls and... Um, nice. uh, the, a person who just beat me actually recently, she's fielding a, a potential job offer from Marvel. These people go on to be professional insiders. And, and I know they put that amount of detail into it, but like, honestly, like, um, a show like Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. uh, the, the suits, the outfits that David Tennant wears as Kilgrave in that, um, Paul right. Smith, uh, who's a designer out of, uh, the UK. So they actually just get a budget, and a lot of people just go uh, assemble clothes. Um, if it's something you would see a character wearing just day to day, for for stuff like Doctor Strange or Ant Man, they they have professional designers, and those are really well made costumes because they have to withstand day after Rigors day of day to day filming. Filming. Yeah. Well, what about the Doctor Who, uh, the tenth Doctor that you're kind of uh, pretty well known for? Uh, how did they design his outfit? Did they go for obscure cloth and, and um, such things? Or I actually know the, the designer's name. Uh, her name is Lisa Page. Um, she, you can see pictures of the original design notes online for his costume. Uh, they, each doctor, I think, has a little bit of input as to what their doctor is going to look like, how they're, they're going to feel, how they're going to function. Um, for example, uh, Peter Capaldi, when they asked, like, you know, what are you really looking for in your, your doctor? Uh, one of the things he said was, I want it to be so that any kid can find the stuff laying around their house and be the 12th doctor, which is why early on he was wearing a hoodie and, like, plaid pants and, and because he wanted people to be able to pick it up and kind of, you know, run with it, little is, kids. Is that why he went with the sunglasses, Sonic? <laughs> right, actually, that yeah. that is one of the reasons. Um, David Tennant's costume, he he wanted to be a bit more. Oh, what's the word I want to use? A bit more fashionable, but but still, you know, actiony, I guess. Um, and the the brown suit in particular was made from old Gap trousers that they were able to get their hands on. Um, so yeah, they, the Gap. The, yeah, the this, Gap. This, okay. So it's funny here in the States, it's a kind of an okay brand. Um, you go overseas, it's actually high end fashion. It's kind of weird. Um, is how it that different there? I mean, no, not really. So the it, gap fashion is high fashion in Europe. It's, okay. it's odd. Um, just, but they, just checking. they, they found a pair of, of brown gap trousers. They really liked and, and then just cut them up and made a suit jacket out of it to match the, um, Long coat he wears was made from a upholstery material called Alcantara. Um, the color way of which is still kind of a, a closely guarded secret. There's like maybe a handful of people who know what it is. I've been looking for years. <laughs> um, but but that's what it is. And a lot of times designers just sketch something out and say, I don't know, go find me something that looks like this. And, and, and they run with it. Now you've uh, also designed costumes for other people. For example, at Gallifrey One, a friend of yours, you designed a 10th Doctor 
or I'm sorry, not a tenth. Uh, what was it? Uh, thir- fifth, <clears throat> fifth doctor outfit for him. To be fair, I didn't design anything. All I did was emulate. Okay, um, gotcha. That, You're a very humble man, sir. Well, I'm, that's uh, I. Um, that so. It's very difficult for me to find time to make costumes for other people just because I'm, I'm a software developer. And, and Bill, you working in IT kind of know the hours we keep. Right. It's, it's hard to, to find time to do anything. Um, but he is a friend of mine who um, we, we actually met because he cosplayed the 10th Doctor as well. And we started just randomly chatting on Instagram one day. And, and then out of nowhere, he's like, hey. I have an extra ticket to San Diego Comic-Con. Would you want to go? And I'm like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course I'd want to go. Um, and we went. And I highly discourage anybody from ever going to San Diego Comic-Con, actually. I am curious about that because I've, I've got mixed reviews. But I would expect it to be like the wonderland of all nerddom. But I, apparently it's really not. Um, imagine, uh, and, and for, for people watching on the video, you, you can't really see the size of this room. But picture your average size basement. Um, to get from one end of this room to the other uh, could take 20 minutes because of the sheer amount of people there are there. You know, you're talking 140,000 people. And if you want to go to one panel, uh, like the Doctor Who panel they had uh, there this week or uh, a couple weeks ago, that's your entire day. Just to get to one panel. Just to get to one panel. You line up and you're in line for hours because everybody wants to see that panel. And then you wait all day, you get to go to the one panel, and by the time the panel's over, your, your day's two-thirds of the way done. So if you're lucky, you might be able to go to one vendor who also has, I want to go to the BBC uh, America booth. Well, there's two hours of waiting in line just to for buy. For the vendors? Just for the vendors. Darn. So it's, mm. it's just not enjoyable. And, and, and for me, the fun part of a convention is going around, interacting with people, like seeing other people dressed. If, if that, I, was, that was the nice thing about Gallifrey One, yeah, is that yeah. it was a very small convention, oh, yeah. and you'd be sitting there having breakfast in the restaurant, and next to you is somebody f- that was in the series, uh, one of the Whatever actors. Series, yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm on a bit of a tangent because I do that, but Shane had... Um, and Shane's the, Shane's the guy that you designed the, the, guy I, I did fifth the doctor outfit yeah. for. And he had done a few nice things for me over the years. And, and uh, he said, hey, I really kind of want to do this. And I know you don't have time, but I'd really appreciate it. And I thought about it and I said, I think I'd just have fun making that outfit. Well, he did get you a ticket to Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Well, so you're, you're a paid tailor now. Yeah. Uh, I, I have broached the I I qualify just barely as professional cosplayer because I've done a few professional gigs now. Um, Have uh, you been requested by by uh, organizations to do your 10th doctor? No. No. Well, a- unless you count British Fest here in Omaha, but that that uh, that that be about it. Um, the uh, I my pay gigs so far have consisted of uh, a video game publisher here in the States called NIS America. It stands for Nipponichi Software. Um, they, they take Japanese video games, they localize them, they put them out here for people to, to play. And for two years now, I've had the, the fortunate opportunity to go out and, and, and do that with I, them. I'm just trying to imagine that. It's like, so do they, but they go and they take out all the tentacle monsters? 
<laughs> it's like I just, I well, just get this picture in my head of, of Americanizing uh, Japanese video games. And it's like, <laughs> so a, a good example would be, um, oh, let's see. Watashi wa nehango hanasimasu demo hetades. Right? You have no idea what I just said. Um, so localization is, hey, we have a big script of Japanese. We need to convert this to English so that American audiences can play this game and enjoy it. Um, so they localize the menus. It, it's, it's changing text. Sometimes if there's, there's cultural references, things in the story that, that don't make a whole lot of sense, they might tweak small parts of the game just to make it so that it's palatable to American audience. But So it's more than just using Google Translate. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Changing like rice to sandwiches to please an American crowd. Um, you laugh about that, but that, that actually does happen yeah. in, in the localization. So, mm. But... Uh, Long story short, I made the, the Fifth Doctor's outfit for him um, from scratch. So we had the, the, the pants, which are very iconic, um, and that, that horrendous stripe pattern. Uh, there's a website called Spoonflower where you can submit a pattern, and they will, they will print the fabric for you. Um, they're not weaving it. It's printed, but, I, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell unless you really get up on it. Um, so we made the pants, the dress shirt for them. I hand embroidered the question marks on the collar, redid the hat band on the Panama hat for him. So he had that and then uh, made the, the, the iconic Fifth Doctor's coat. Um, and we, we took that to Galford one and, and took uh, Best in Show for construction there. Nice. Um, now, how did you arrange to get all of his measurements? Did you send him what you needed and did you make a test outfit for him to try? So here's, oh, you did, did you do all this by correspondence? Yeah. Oh, man. So here's, here's a fun story. Because he lives out in California. He does. He lives in Los Angeles. I've never um, gotten anything by mail that, I, that actually fits the way I want it to. Well, he didn't either. So let me tell you a story. <laughs> um, so it's, it's very easy. I, I could measure you today and come back in two days with a well-fitting dress shirt for you. Um, the problem I had with Shane was because he lived like 2,000 miles away. I can't, I can't just measure him and get the things I need. And the, the trousers in particular, I, I said, okay, give me these measurements and, and let, me, let me do it. And I sent him what's called a, a, a muslin fit out. Now, muslin's like a cheap fabric. It's like $2 a yard. A lot of costumers and tailors and, and seamstresses will use that material to do uh, test fits out of. So I sent that out to him and he put it on and he sent me a picture and he said, I had to blur out part of this photo for modesty. <laughs> he goes, these do not fit. These are too tight. And he sent them back and I said, okay, well, find a pair of pants that you have around the house and, and measure those. These are the things I want you to measure on it and then send that to me and I'll, I'll, I'll make an air draft. Now, if I had my wherewithal about me that day, I would have said, Find a pair of pants that fit and mail, and mail those yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. Right. And then I will, will get the info I need off that. But brain wasn't there that day. Neglected to do that. We spent, I, I sent him another muslin back. Now, I'm overnighting this every time um, because he's a friend of mine and because we had a very tight deadline. I think I had a month and a half to do the pants, the dress shirt, the hat, and the coat. And were you doing your own? 
I, I, I was redoing a tuxedo suit co at the same time for myself. So for the same convention, for the same convention. So I'm, I'm trying to get all this stuff in. So I'm overnighting these things back and forth and it shows up. It's like, it kind of fits. He goes, there's a problem. I'm like, what? And this is how he described it to me. He said, when I captain Morgan, it's too tight. <laughs> I, I see it. I do. And I went. Are you going to do that at the con, though? I mean, you, well, you want to have the first question out of my mouth. Like, how much do you yeah. expect to be saying there with like one leg up yeah. Captain Morgan in, during the convention? He's like, dude, you just want to be comfortable. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And you want to have room for the boys. We spent an hour and a half on the phone, sending pictures back and forth, talking, trying to figure out because I'm like, OK, measure this. Is it the same as your pants? He's like, yeah, it is. There's a curve, and it, it's hard to describe unless you've you've made pants. But you know what? Actually, I can I can sketch out a, a little bit. Um, somebody left me a sketch. So pad when here. did it occur to you to have him just send you pants? Well, how, how long so it didn't. I you, you can't really see. There's this curve here mm -hmm. um, that that helps construct part of the fly. Ah. Uh, um, I, I'll, I'll let you yeah. uh, adjust. There's there a dotted line there. I want to show that to the, um, the camera. The, that curve was too shallow. That's what needed to be adjusted because when you, when you widen that out, it actually provided room for the, the upper thigh, and that's why it was having trouble with. It took us an hour and a half on the phone to figure that out. I made the adjustments. I sent them out, and, and here's what I told them. I said, I don't have time to do a third one. And since this was close, tailor, yeah. I, I said, I'm going to adjust this the way I think it needs to be based off of what you described to me. And I'm going to mail these out to you. And two days later, he messaged me back and he said, these are the best fitting pair of pants I own. And I said, nice. I'm well that done. Win. Nice. That's, that's perfect. I am jealous of both of you guys for going to Gallifrey One. Well, you went to one of them last time? Yes. Yeah, in February, uh, right? You met some people I want to meet. Uh, oh, work yeah. with the Star Trek continues. Uh, I don't think Josh went to that panel. No. Uh -uh. But it's, Star Trek continues panel, yeah. The, and they had all the actors there and actresses. That, that makes me sad I didn't go. It was, it was, pretty, it was pretty interesting. Well, Good you know panel. they have the big Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, right? I, yeah. Well, you told me. I didn't know that they still did it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every year. I yeah. have a uh, buddy, um, Frank. Um, I can't remember his cosplay name, but he is a dead ringer for um uh, uh uh bones oh for for Mac like extremely so and he goes every year and has a blast nice um, i do know some people who have some extra tickets this year to galfrey yes if if you're That's interested true. in going linda and i aren't going this year but we do have tickets you have, you have tickets we have two tickets so anybody watching the podcast well, no, if you want to no. harass him for tickets <laughs> All this will take care of itself. All I, uh, this will take care of itself. But the, yeah, I did not know about the Star Trek convention. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's a chance that I am a Trekkie. It, it a might, small it, chance. It is a small chance that okay. that might be true. So, yeah, I'll have to check that out. The, um, oh, I brought this because I wanted to show the crowd the little red thing on it that Comic-Con made me put a band on my phaser because it might be dangerous. For for um, it could be people real. that don't go conventions, that that's actually called peace binding. Yes, um, and it's so. The the thought behind it is a lot of cosplayers have props that look dangerous, incredibly realistic and dangerous. And 
having that brightly colored tag on it is the convention's way of letting other people know we've looked at this, we've inspected this. It's it's safe, safe. to be carrying around. It's not a real phaser. It's, it's not it's a real not phaser. It's not a real phaser. It's not a real phaser. <laughs> I did have them try to piece bind my Sonic one year at a convention. Uh, not not that convention, a different one. Um, and I explicitly said, "Hey, look, it's a flashlight." Um, and my particular one was two hundred dollars. So you can piece bind it if you want to, but if you scratch it, you're buying me a new one. You're fine. Just just go in. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they they piece bound a piece of wood. It's like one guy had a dagger, but it wasn't a dagger. It was just a hilt that slid in with a tiny piece of wood, and it's like they they bound that. Well, I, yeah, they they it, it's it's because from far away, if they didn't piece bind it, how do you know it's not real? That's that's the thought behind it. So it's it's not for for your benefit. It's yeah, for other people. Because I might sneak out to my car and get a real phaser. Well, and then then I, then that'd be bad. You know, here's yeah. the other thing. A lot of these costumes that people wear to these events are so elaborate and so bulky and big, people could hide an arsenal in there yeah. and nobody would know it. Not, well, it wouldn't could. be peace-bound. It did. Um, I, I can't remember if it was late last year or earlier this year. There was a convention where somebody came in um, dressed in... in and I forget the particular costume, but the costume called for a bunch of military gear. And upon inspection, he was carrying live weaponry and ammo. And the cops had to come, and and after some investigation, he was intending on causing some damage there. Uh. And they were just lucky they caught the guy. There's a reason they, they do oh, metal no, I, detectors sure. and yeah, peace I get it, I get it, I do. But it just seemed really weird to put you know that. But well, I, it, to err on the side of caution right, is right. always best. Yeah, but that that my point being that you know they they piece bind the phaser thing, but then somebody with an elaborate costume may be able to slip slip something in inside the costume that they would never well, even know. And, and that's why larger cons anymore, particularly um, anime expo, etc. They 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 have metal detectors, uh-huh. so they'll they, they they do check you out and, yeah. and make sure. Um, the uh, one one more aside, I did get one of the best compliments I've ever received since I started making clothes at Gallifrey One. Uh, the curator for the Doctor Who experience in uh, the UK was there in attendance. And after the masquerade, he came up and uh, he he approached myself and Shane, Shane wearing the fifth Doctor's outfit, and he says, well, have you ever actually seen this costume in person? I said, well, no, I've, I've never been to the UK. I'd, I'd love to, but I've never been within 500 miles of this thing. He said, well, and he, he started picking at the coat, and he said, the trim on the original coat is, is more of a nylon weave and a slightly different color. And he goes, aside from that, nailed it. And he goes, eh, if you're here next year, I'll bring the coat with me so you can see how good you did. Nice. I went, oh, nice. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm happy. I'm good with that. <laughs> nice. And you should be. You should be. I it's it's. You've been I, you've been casually brushing off compliments all day. Well, take it. You're awesome. We love it, you. It's golf it's, clap. It's, it's all good. It's it's hard sometimes. Whenever I see something I've made, I see all the things I did wrong. Uh-huh. Um, and which I didn't it, think it, of that. Anybody, yeah. anybody does that. Right? I do that with that. props yeah. I design. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I look at a costume, I say, "Man, I wish I'd done this differently." Man, I wish I'd done that differently. Even even the most recent one. When I went to the competition in Los Angeles, I said, I know this trim is, is not where I wanted it. And I just ran out of time. So I, I rolled with it. And 
even the judges were like, man, you know, everything on this is immaculate. That's the thing we found fault with. Um, so as soon as I had opportunity, I went home and tore the trim off the entire coat and then redid it. Mm. Um, and, and that's, I, I, I know you said like, I have a hard time thinking I'd be able to get through my first mistake. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm a software developer because all I hear every day is this code doesn't work. Here's why it doesn't work. Here's how you fix it. And, and if I was somebody that, that had a large ego or, or took that stuff to heart, I, I would have been soul crushed years ago mm. because we're, we're dealing with, I, I think the application right now that I deal with takes in about a million dollars of business a day. I, I don't have any room to, to have somebody come to me and go, well, this doesn't work. Yes, it does. I mean, you, you <laughs> just, <laughs> so I have oh, to be able man. to take a, a mistake and go, wow, you're right. We have to get this fixed. And, and I kind of have the same mentality with, with sewing and tailoring, which is whenever I see something I did wrong, sometimes I know how to fix it and sometimes I don't. And when I don't, I, I accept it and go, this is as good as I could do right now. I know it will be better the next time. My job between now and then is to try and find somebody that knows what I did. You are a far and, better and man than I am, sir. No, no, no. I, well, I, I like when I write academically. I, I submit it to people, and, and your friends will review it for you and give you honest criticism. And I'm like, they say this this whole paragraph's unnecessary. It's like, I wrote it. It's perfect. It's like, but you don't need it. You're right. I don't need it, but it makes it all better. And so, it's like, I, I, uh, I wish I could be yeah. more like you, sir. Speaking of next time, what are you working on for your next cosplay? Uh, I have a group thing in the works I'm not at liberty to talk about. Okay. Um, I do. Uh, Can you tell us anything about, like, the episode? I mean, the, nope. the series? Uh -uh. No, nothing. Nothing. Um, I can tell you that um, I have been sitting on brown suit fabric to redo 10 uh, suit for about six months. Um, that's high on my list. I'm Is waiting. Is it the proper fabric? Yes. Or? Oh, cool. Um, I'm waiting on the blue suit fabric to come in. I think that's coming in September. But uh, have you seen uh, Castlevania on Netflix? No, I've heard about it. Um, there's a character on that, uh, Trevor Belmont. Uh, he's, uh, I, I'm not going to say vampire hunter, but like ghoul hunter. Mm. Um and I want to do that costume um, just for me. Um, there's a anime that's been out for a long time called Cowboy Bebop. Um, the, the main character in that, Spike Spiegel, I want to do that, that suit because it's very iconic. I think I'd have a lot of fun with it. Um, I think that would fit your, your particular body yeah. type very well. And then I've, I've joked with Bill about this, but it's, it's on my to-do list. Um, the the captain and the main villain from Forbidden Planet. I, I want to Ooh. do uh, those two outfits for us, yeah. just just for fun. That would be awesome to do. You uh, mean the, the Leslie Nielsen look? Yeah, from, yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. All right. Um, I would uh, be, how come nobody does that? Because that's kind of a sharp. Well, look. And, yeah. and I looked at that and I'm like, I don't think that'd be terribly difficult. No. And, yeah. and I think it'd be fun. And walking around at a convention, you're you're talking all three people that know who that character is are, <laughs> yeah. are, are gonna yeah. love it. Right. But but. Yeah, I think if you wore it, people would be rolling up on you and say, I, rec I recognize that, and steaks used to cost a nickel. 
Because only old, <laughs> old, old people would recognize that outfit. I well, it would help if you're uh, with someone dressed up as Robbie the robot. That's it's true. That <laughs> right. that would be That's more difficult Linda. to pull. You could always yeah. put Linda in one of those. <laughs> just <two>. just <laughs> give talked the, about the, the, the little robot claw hands to follow around with. John was yeah. joking that I was going to put her in an oil drum and no, make her no, a you said recurring you were royal robot for the show. We have turned this, this puck into Googlebot, and before that, Bill was saying. We're going to put Linda into a metal oil drum and, <laughs> and make her answer questions on the air. So, oh, yeah. You know, right. uh, and I, I half believed him. Bless her heart, Linda's a, a good She's sport. a trooper. Yeah. She is. I, uh, I, you know, that there's there's a philosophical kind of, it's, it's always undertoned and no one's really making a contentious point about it, at least in the community right now. But there's, there's kind of two veins of cosplaying. Um, there's with what I would call the normalization of, of comic book movies, right? Marvel really brought um, comics and conventions into the mainstream. If you look at the size of, of any comic book convention now compared to where it was 10, 15 years ago. Even Comic-Con, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's vastly different. There's been good and bad that has come with that. Um, cosplay for me is hey i love this character and if if i see a, a a a person at a convention in what's clearly just a suit they got at goodwill and some random looking brown trench coat but wearing 3d glasses and, and tennis shoes i'm like that guy's into the 10th doctor we could totally have a conversation for an hour right and and really just like geek out about it, and I'm excited to go mm. talk to those people. He doesn't have because you both have infections. Well, from you both sewing, yeah. you both have right. the same passion about the character yeah. and the show. A- a- absolutely, and yeah. and that's that's always been kind of the the joy of cosplaying, which is you immediately recognize when somebody loves and is into the same things you are. Right. There's a flip side of that now, which is people who are are really just using that as as kind of a backdoor entry into here's hoping I can get famous um, and, and these are cosplay is getting famous there, there are nerd culture is getting famous well a, a little bit of both there, there's a lot of cosplayers out there right now who um, have a lot going for them that that I don't which is being young and and, and pretty and and but they, they if, if you're not young and pretty, what are we? <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a table of old and ugly but, here that you're talking to. But, yeah. but you know, the, these are, are, are kids who are I'm going to just latch on to whatever's really popular and see if I can't throw something together to, to get more followers. And that's that's really what it's about is I just need to get more followers. And they set up Patreon and they right. they have private photo shoots you can purchase and, and, and more power to these folks. I mean, if that's a means of income and, and a way to get your name out there, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you. What gets lost a little bit along the way is that, that love for the source material. Yeah. And, and sometimes you can go up and, and talk to somebody and be like, Oh my God, like you're dressed as this character from the show I love. And they go, Oh, I'm not really into this character. It's just, you know, this is something I threw together. And, and, and there's, there's that disappointment there because these these used to be safe spaces, right? These were the places I could go and and be geeky and and nerd out and and meet with like minded people yeah, and, and and know like I could talk oh. about random Star Trek obscure trivia and yeah. no one's going to judge me for it. Yeah. And as that more mainstream culture's kind of 
Are you talking about non-local cons more than local cons? No, not necessarily. I, I, I haven't run into any of that elitism. Or, uh, well, I had a guy at Comic Con last year rolled up on me with a, a rusted trike, and I, I looked at him. and It's like, that's that's Miri. That's Star Trek original <laughs> series Miri, and he did a perfect character from that. And it's just, I, it was awesome. But it, it's like I I haven't run into any elitists. Um. I, I, I think it really just depends. I have seen it more out of state at some of the larger conventions. Um, and, and you see it with, even with the Dr. Hugh, uh, Dr. Who community, it gets vicious. People talk about, well, you can't wear that. It's not screen accurate. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's good. That's close. But it's clearly inferior to, to whatever. And I've, I've never understood that elitism because to me, yeah. it, it feels like, Particularly growing up and, and being into to sci-fi, fantasy, comic books, you know, re- reading a lot, you, you tend to catch flack from a, a lot of people I would consider like mainstream society. Mm-hmm. And to suddenly turn around and have these people who used to suffer alongside you now criticize, criticize you, yeah. you for, for this thing that you're supposed to all love and enjoy. I'm like, right. I, I don't understand the mentality there. And it feels like we're eating our own. So we should be encouraging each other to yeah. do this kind of stuff because it only makes it only makes the movement larger and stronger yeah. and and encourages people to do more of it because part of it obviously is the enjoyment of watching the show but there's a huge enjoyment factor in sharing that love with other people talking about what you loved about a particular episode or a particular character and why that I think you know r- really help r- really makes people enjoy it. I mean, you know, we've been sitting down and we've been watching The Expanse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody has access to it. They could sit... Well, and, everyone who wants well, to go well, through that paywall... Right, right. But, yeah, but we do. Does, but, but you guys do, we do. And well, any of us you, could sit yeah. and watch it all the way to the end. But we choose not to. We choose to wait and watch it with each other yes. because we enjoy the Indeed. talking about I as have, we're watching I have it, right? all thanks of them at home and I yeah, did watch Bill. them. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? I said, thanks for inviting me, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been trying to get I you know, to watch The Expanse yeah, for yeah, years. I, we just hang and have fun. And in fact, we're going to do that after we're done here. You're yeah. more than welcome. to. I, it would make, wouldn't make much sense to you at this point. Well, no, no. <laughs> like Believe it or not, of all three. things, as soon as I get out of here, I'm running to the fabric store. So... Uh, I had a question uh, about this elitism, and is elitism the right word to use? Because every once in a while, like especially when I'm at Comic Con, oh Comic Con, I run into people that I say, "Can I take a picture?" Because I run around taking pictures all the sure, time, sure. and they say, "You can, but you can't publish it." And so I'm assuming these people have a brand that their look is their brand. Um, and what is that? There's, because you obviously have a brand. I mean, I, a little bit, a little bit, just a tiny bit. No, um, but you're not capitalizing on it in, in terms of. I I don't making it yours, and this is a personal decision. I have, I I do not feel comfortable asking people to fund my hobby. Um, that be, because that's what it is. This is something I do for fun. Um, I, and for me to turn around and say, well, hey, like, I really need money to to make this cosplay or, or do whatever our toys cost money people they do well yeah but the this is something that i'm just fortunate enough that that i i i have found a love for and 
Um, I, it's it's a personal decision. You know, other other people feel more comfortable asking for that help, and, and more power to them. Like I said, I'm I'm never going to disparage somebody for for trying to to make an income doing something they love. Indeed. Um, with cosplay, there's there's a handful of rules to follow when taking but, pictures of somebody. Oh yes. One. Never take a picture of a cosplayer when they're eating or drinking or on their phone. Um, that's 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 a I private. Always, I always ask yeah, yeah. before I take any picture. Um, so. It's it's a private real world moment, and, and you know as much as cos. Well, I'm I'm gonna leave that into number two, which is you know usually let them know you're gonna take a picture because they put all this effort into making yeah. this creation. Put and if you're gloves, sneaking a picture right. yeah, it's like from you're not get it. 20, foot, 20 feet away, you're not going to get them posed and proper looking. Um, and so that's what a lot of it is, which is like, hey, I'd really like to give you the best picture I can. Give me a heads up and I'll, 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 I'll do a pose or, or, or put whatever. Put my all into it. Put my all into it. Or in Bill's case, just... <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, you do. You get this grim look. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, like, yeah. Well, like I am the war doctor. I've seen a lot of... Like your tooth is hurting I've again. I've seen a lot of bad things. <laughs> I, uh, th- I've i seen, and I think this is a recent development. I went to a convention in Des Moines where there was a cosplayer walking around, and whenever somebody asked to take a picture of them, they, they said, well, that'll be $5. Oh, wow. And I've never seen that before, and I don't think I've seen it since, but... Generally, and they weren't a guest of the convention. They weren't, it was just a random wow. person walking along. And I'm like, you know, if, if people are willing to pay that, then, the, then I, 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 I guess, guess there's a business but, opportunity but there. But no. I, um, it makes all the other cosplayers seem lesser. It's, it's, it's well, I, I don't think it's that. Yeah. It, it's that particular individual thought that that was a good opportunity for them. And well, I, I really try not to, to judge. Well, because uh, I'm being judgy right now, I know that I am. I, I'm an ENTJ. Believe me, the the propensity is there to be super judgmental. But um, I'm also philosophically Buddhist, so I try to to just kind of let people live their lives and and go with the flow. Go with the flow on things. Um, the the closest I've come to try and monetizing anything, like we've we've got a convention coming up next weekend. I I will have prints for sale. But that's mostly that is, hey, I, I'm taking, I have to pay the photographers uh, to, to get the rights to use those photos. And I have to pay to get those photos printed. That is me basically just trying to recoup the cost of, of having to do all that. Um, it's not a profit thing. No, it's, it's, uh, it's not a profit thing. It's the, hey, if you want a picture of me that, yeah. or, or just want me to pose for a picture, dude, I'll do that for free in any time. But if you want like one of these nice yeah. prints I have, then, you know, five bucks. Right. Just I always because get a picture I, I, of you every time, every con yeah. I get a shot at. And I will at British Fest. Even the ones I'm be. not at. Yeah, <laughs> you know sometimes yeah I, I I almost think that there should be a cardboard cutout of you. In, Just in, keep your blinds places. closed at night. In case we, John's out there with a the camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you see a flash, we uh, it, it's me. Shane, who I talked about earlier, we we had for a while where people were tagging him in photos and saying, "Hey, Josh, I saw you at this convention." I'm like, "Yeah, we all." All us tenth doctor cosplayers kind of look alike, don't we? That's that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think that you're capitalizing. You're just you're actually giving. You're providing a service. You're recouping expenses for that service without actually making a profit. Yeah, it, and that's that's basically what it is, which but is that five dollar thing you just said kind of disgusts me personally. I'm not going to talk about the overall arcing ethics of a guy just saying, "You can take my picture for five bucks," but 
I feel I'm lucky to wear the Jedi outfit and I'm in a cosplay troupe, the Foreigner and Second Guardians. We go do charity events, uh, autism walks, uh, cystic fibrosis stuff, children's hospital stuff, uh, and make money for these charities. But I get to do that while doing what I love. And it's like, I feel that that what they're doing is is uh, privatizing. It, I, that's not the word I'm looking for, but... Commercializing. Yeah, um, commercializing. Yeah. It's like what... Well, what should be like you said a hobby? It's this is fun. I get I get to wear a Jedi outfit while helping kids. You know, it's like some. I I, I look at it this way. Um, often, what we tell young folks is, if you do what you love, you won't work hard a day in your life. And, and these are people that Very have true. found a way to to take something they enjoy, and 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 make money doing it. And I'm not going to tell uh, uh, anybody young or old, if you have found something you love and you're able to make money off it and you're able to put food on your table and a roof over your head, you know what? You're, you're living the dream at that point. More power to you. Well, and there like, may be those that, that want to do it and get into it, but they don't have the disposable income that others of us right. have that have um, are older and have been well, in the job market and, and for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's easy to be well, judgmental if you can afford sure. to do it. I, right. Perhaps your own. But if you're a poor college student, yeah. allows me to do that. Right. But it, it's like, it, to me, it seems like the guy's like, I will work for food kind of thing. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll cosplay for you the other for five what, bucks. What character was it that you saw that? Um, I, I, I'm not. No, I don't I mean the actor, but just... Uh, the genre? I'm just... Because, like, it's, if it's a, a really, really good guy... Was it? Yeah. Who was now it, was hitting it, you up for five bucks? Was is it, different. Was than it a when good cosplay? I, I I will say that for what it was, I could see how they were able to monetize it. Um, however, okay. I I'm not going to provide any more identifying information. That is fair. That's right. I'm just wondering if there's actually it's not not like like someone just like found a, a an online uh, no 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 plastic no, no, costume. No, this is this is somebody who who put effort into it on their own. Um, the I, I, and I think Bill raises a good point, which is I'm, I'm a software developer, which has led to being able to do some, ha- having a, a bit more capital to do things that, that other people my, my age aren't necessarily able to do, or other people who are into this hobby um, aren't able to do. And cosplay's expensive. It really yeah, it is. is. You don't have to um, tell me that. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean... Yeah, I'm I'm eyeballing here, but if I had to put a price tag on that, I would say that's a hundred dollars in props just sitting on the table. Yeah, it there. is. It is about a hundred. But my lightsaber um, alone costs five hundred. Oh yeah. So um, it's like you know, that's like it. Right. But it's worth it to me. Yeah. But again, like I have the I have the income that I can do that. Well, and, and I think a lot, particularly you know, folks that are are in their late teens or early twenties. Like I remember just struggling to get by at that age. And, yeah. and if somebody had said, hey. Not only can you do this thing you really enjoy, but people are going to pay you to do it. I, I would have jumped at the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And so. if you can use that money to invest it back into the thing you love. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's I think, you know, you had raised a good point about the charity. And I know Bill and I have done the autism puzzle walk I was, uh, I was for, there with for you two guys. years. Yeah. And we got a deal coming up in a couple of weeks, don't we? Oh, yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. It. Can we talk about that in a minute? When Yeah. yeah. I, 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 want, I, I, I I need your help to remember it, that. It's not much okay. different. I mean, if you could, you could look at it like I've I've listened to street musicians, and I don't go thank you and just watch. If I sit there and listen, yeah, then I'm and throwing then you throw some money. Throw in some the, money. If I'm yeah, then you've seen my Jedi. Give me money. 
Yeah, good. You looked at my Jedi and you just no, walked you away. I actually you can't just charge him in the past. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that hap- That did happen to me once. Just a, I, a small story. And technically, I've, I've held your saber. Linda too. and I were on our honeymoon, and we're Money. we're on our honeymoon, and uh, we're down uh, in some Caribbean island somewhere. We took a. It was a cruise, and so we're going around on this uh, tour that we paid for, and we stop at this one point. And it's a beautiful vista view of this harbor, you know, on this island, and. And um, there's a, a guy there with a, a burrow. And the burrow's got, you know, authentic, you know, bags on it. You know, it looks like it's right out of the Juan Valdez, you know, mm-hmm. whatever thing. And so the guy's like, oh, you know, you would you like to have your picture taken? Because I had a nice camera that I brought with me. And this mm-hmm. guy's like, well, I'll take your picture, you know. And so Lynn and I are like, yeah, okay, fine. So, we'll, so we go up there and stand by the burrow, and he takes our picture. And then before he hands the camera back, he says, $20, please. Yep. To get the camera back? or For him taking the picture and implying that you want your camera back, uh, you pay me for taking the photo. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Hmm. So I gave him the 20 bucks because... It's easier. I, yeah, I didn't want to get in a you can talk big argument. You in the burrow? What's that? Said you couldn't talk him to throw him <laughs> in the burrow. It might have yeah. been tough getting him on the ship. Yeah, but. you could have yeah. grabbed his burrow and said, <laughs> Yeah, the burrow's mine. Yeah. <laughs> $50 for your burrow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, yeah, you can't. Charging people after the thing's a, a dick move. I, uh, well, I'm sorry you had a bad experience with that, but you know. Hey, right. You right. saw my lightsaber too, so you owe me money. It's a very nice uh, lightsaber. Money. I want I, money right. from all of you. You so, know, I actually have um, quite a few friends now who, who I would say are. are professional cosplayers and i you know it's for these folks i uh, particularly uh, a lot of them they they are providing a service along with it um a a good example i would give is a friend of mine uh, papa bear cosplay oh Um, yeah i rented him at comic yeah yeah he's a super nice guy he puts a lot of effort into his costumes but he he also provides a service for these conventions he runs panels he does demonstrations. Um, and if, if I have no idea what his primary source of income is, but just based off the services he's providing, I'm like, that guy absolutely is earning like his, well, his keep. He and had an advertisement that the week after that, he's in South Dakota. And, yeah. and yeah. he's like all over the place. So yeah. this must be. I mean, yeah. I don't know what else he could do. Really. He also, small shout out, just had a small documentary put up about him on Ooh. sci-fi, which Ooh. is worth watching. On, so, on the sci-fi channel. Nice. Yeah. All right. I, I will so. take, I'll check that out. But nice. uh, he, uh, I'll post that to my nerd site. So yeah. Well, cool. but that's 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 why I said like I I don't like judging people because you never know what somebody's situation is. You don't know what they do for a living during the day, and I I'm I'm not going to turn around and tell somebody just based off of their very catered social media interaction that oh clearly like there there's something shady going on or I don't think it's worth it. I I mean, the it. it they clearly found an audience. They clearly found a market, and good for them. No, I, I have I, nothing against cosplayers asking for money, but I do. Uh, the guy who's asking for five bucks for a picture seems to go against convention. And if 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 this is how things should be, then shouldn't conventions say that we generally? Do I, about that? Like I said, I think that was a one-off, and I I don't expect to see a whole lot of that just because I imagine conventions would quickly put a stop to that unless they were a guest, in which case that's a very catered experience and where, you know, you're 
you're going to see the professional cosplayer. And, and I... Would that make know, them a vendor then? And they, the con would have to control all vendors um, of some kind? Or? I, I, I don't know how that works, to be honest. I've never been on that end of that, uh, that if contract. It, if it but was common. could be. Yeah, yeah, if it was common, it'd probably become just like a, a cruise where either the booze is included or it's not. Right. You, you'll, you'll well, you always pay for that package, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like if, if, if that was the case... A large portion of my enjoyment would go out because I'm not going to pay five bucks to every cosplayer. I actually read there was a convention. Uh, I want to say this was last year that banned cosplay from the convention what? Uh, of all forms. Said no cosplay will be allowed here. What con was that? Um, God, I, I wish I could remember the name of it. I want to say it was uh, in the southeast. Did um, anyone go? Yeah, their big take was this is a comic book convention and and we want people to focus on being here for the guest and the artist and the 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 comics and and, that too. and and when you read it they made really good sense in a really poorly thought out argument and um they, they didn't acquiesce if i remember right and they they said and obviously there were people who didn't go at that point because they said well the whole reason i want to go yeah, is because i, because I, I want to dress up I i'm serious i wouldn't um, go i just and it's like well, would you? Um, yeah, I, I, I think it depends on, like, Gallifrey One. If Gallifrey One said, hey, we don't want people cosplaying here, but we'd still provide everything else, yes. I'd probably still go just for because. The guest. The, for, for the guests, for the experience, for, for the merchandise. I'm going to that convention because of the service but, they but provide. How many cons do you do a year? Um, a lot less than I have been. Well, but let's just say, if, if all of a sudden one of them says no cosplay, all of a sudden your venue, you, you could easily insert another con into that slot. Uh, maybe. Depending um, on well, the nature. Like if it's an all Doctor Who con. Well, I, then, but yeah, I, I think I, I can see it. I can go to a con without. I, I might go for, it's like going to a writer's workshop or something. I want to go meet the writers. I want to go meet the creators. Actually, I don't necessarily want to dress up. I'm going to take that as I'm going to see you at well, British Fest. <laughs> I am going to see you at British Fest, aren't I? But I'm probably not dressing. Uh, that's why. Well, you don't oh, that's have fine. Here, here's, fine. Yeah, but, people but don't care. A lot of people don't. We had I talked do earlier about how there, there's good and bad that comes with the normalization of, of some of this. And I cosplay has really kind of brought in some mainstream folks who, who just want to get dressed up and show off and, and aren't necessarily there for the creators or the artist. And I think if, if you as a convention say, look, we're paying money to have these guests in, to bring these artists in, to bring these vendors, and we want the focus to be on them, I could see them making the argument and say, we're, we're trying to cut down on some of the outside noise. We really want you to focus on the convention while you're here. I could see that E3, um, for a while was closed off to the public and it was just industry insiders in the press because what they realized was when they opened it to the general public, it became more about having the general public have a good experience than it was about talking about the video games, talking about the, these innovations they have coming up. And they said, we don't like the direction this is going. This and is yet, starting to really and degrade yet they the experience. Kind of the other way completely. They, they, they have, mm -hmm. um, and, and I, I think a lot of it's market driven. Um, we're we're kind of hitting 
Uh, I gotta t- say, you're the best guest we've ever had. I oh. just want to say you're awesome and the only. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I think there's now a really high bar. Um, so it's yeah. like, I, you, you've heard the term peak oil, right? No. Uh, peak oil, uh, and Bill, correct me if I'm wrong here, is basically once we hit peak oil, then well, then the amount the res- of oil available only drops. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. You're over the hill. I, I think we've hit peak convention. Um, we are saturated. With conventions, you you can pick any weekend. There is one going on somewhere here in the states that's within driving distance from you. I'm going to two in August alone, and August used to be a slow month. Um, the problem with that is is that the market's so overtly saturated right now that attendance is starting to drop. I think yeah, I think British Fest is having a problem with that. And so yeah. Well, I, I think even uh, Okamicon, just for the looks of it this year, felt a little it more empty. It seemed a me. little empty, yeah. And a lot of that is just because there's so many options in the marketplace that, that people don't know where they want to go to. And Wizard World's a good example. Wizard World has a, a convention in a new town almost every two or three weeks. And I know when I went to the one in Des Moines, it was, it was almost a ghost town there. And it got to the point where on the last day they said... If you have a ticket and want to bring a friend for free, go ahead. Because they're trying to get people in the yeah, door yeah. because a lot of the vendors and guests have, I forget the actual term, but they, they have guarantees, which is if you don't sell this many autographs or whatever and hit this dollar amount, we're going to pay you. And the convention's really hoping they don't have to do that. So yeah. they're trying to get people in the door. The the, the I did not know that. I, yeah. I think... In the next five years, people are going to get kind of tired of the superhero movies. They're going to get tired of the oversaturation, and you're going to see that that attendance and that popularity drop. It's it's never going to be back to where it was, but I think you're going to see it level off, and, at, at which point it will start to become more about people who really want to go there for the material, for the artists. But the normalization the, the of cosplay creators. will still be there. Um, it's, it's become a it's become a facet. Whether or not cons like it, it's going to be something that I think you're going to see that drop off to to mm-hmm. whatever the next big opportunity is. Technology is always changing, and, and the reason cosplay has has really found its foothold uh, mm-hmm. has been it is a good way to hit. What's how do I want to put this? Geeks have disposable income. Yes. Oh, so and. and a way people, to, it's a, it's a good way to liber- liberate them of that. People yeah. have found that that it is a good market to. Again, you got a hundred dollars worth of merchandise oh. there. If I talked about my Doctor Who collection, just cosplay stuff, yeah. five to ten grand. These are the ones that Easily. I'll wear. Yeah, it's like I've got several that are not uh, cosplay uh, uh, respectable to me. Yeah. So yeah. But got, yeah. So I've been built right by the by the cosplay industry <laughs> willingly. Willingly, right, but, but but that's that's how cosplay is. Is that a lot of people have found a market where they can dress up and sell their brand, their product, and make money off it. And I think in in I'm actually mad about Orville, the Orville <laughs> show. That they have not the they have not created enough cosplay that I can buy it, and I don't want to make it. But it's like I'm. I think they're going to wait till Etsy. they roll out. I went there, and they you, don't you can have find it. some good stuff. They, I can find some good stuff, but I honestly think that the cosplayers who are making the stuff want to wear it for a season before yeah. they start offering it. So 
Um, I, I think it just depends. I, I know a few people. I might be able to help oh, you out. Well, but uh, the you couldn't help me out with King Bradley, but you can help me out with oil. Okay, I'll live with that. That's well, cool. the, the, I, King Bradley. I gave you a suggestion. King Bradley, uh, Full Metal Alchemist character. Oh. The, um, no, I no, I appreciate that. I, I came off sounding uh, uh, no, snide, no, 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 but no, 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 I really do appreciate what you hey, said. Hey, I just wanted to note we're at at the hour mark here, so probably need to wrap it up. Ah, uh, the the I'll, I'll I'll talk fast. The point I was trying to make is I think we've hit peak satura- or saturation. As people move on to whatever the next big thing is, you will see that market start. To, to drop. And you will see some of those people abandon this for, for money-making ventures that will be easier, in which case then it will, will kind of taper off back to what it used to be, which is people who are just in it for the love of doing it. Which is me and you right. and Bill. Sometimes. And probably Charles and at some point. And some point. And, and, and Audie. Audie uh, but did. speaking of John and Speaking Josh of me, and, and whoever my me, he I, forgot your name. He literally I just, just forgot I your name. I looked at him and blanked out. Oh my god! Um, uh, the three of us are going to be doing cosplay um, Saturday, August eleventh, uh, from ten a.m. to one p.m. It's going to be a benefit to bene- uh, to uh, help Title One families, which includes students or families residing at area shelters and agencies, etc. Um, and this will be the first time they've done the event. So they're looking for cosplayers of all stripes to come down and, and strut their stuff and help help them raise funds for these families. So we're going to be doing it, and uh, we'll be reaching out to others the in the community. War doctor? I'm going to be the war doctor. I'll be uh, Jedi. I'll be the Jedi. What are you doing, Josh? Oh, yes. War, uh, a tenth. tenth? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All right. Are you bringing the TARDIS? No. <laughs> okay. Did you ever get that fixed? Cause no, I, I haven't yet. There's, You know, I... At some point, I, I think I'm going to have a second one built. And, and uh, that was my, my um, uh, shout-out to my brother-in-law, Keith's Woodshop. Uh, uh, that, that was the first Tars he ever built. and so oh, Very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he did a fantastic job. I, I, there's, there's a few things I think we found through general use of set up and tear down repeatedly that, that we want to reinforce and do differently on Model 2. Enhancements. So. Eventually. Someday. Is there any um, thought of him actually selling those commercially? Uh, if you want to order one from him, I'm sure he'd build you one. Something to think about. Well, the problem I just is... Saw your, I just saw your eyes light up, man. Well, I, I've, I would have always wanted to have one, Bill. but... Not where, only would where? he build you one, he'd yeah. build you whichever model one you wanted. Ooh. Well, of course, you know what Ooh. I would want. Heart no. Where would you put it? Would you put it in the backyard or what? <laughs> Uh, no, that that is the problem. Is, is that yeah. I don't have the space for it now. What I have thought of doing are we? Is, are, are, we're over a little bit. Do we just want to do an extra long one? We're running there's we'll a lot do a little we're, longer. We're running yeah, long. Go it's ahead. all good. We'll okay. do it. Um, I have thought of just uh, building one like it's you know stuck in the wall, and just having the face of the TARDIS. I, I think out that of the door basement. right there, if you did it right, yeah. would look fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Something to think about. It's true. Yeah, didn't you? Weren't, weren't there other like? Yeah, there's some like other stuff. <laughs> uh, we'll just get to a few things. Uh, I just wanted to mention on this show is Sorry, that. I'm chatty. Um, that's no, right. No, no we appreciate great. it. This great. is what, um, this is what people want to listen to. They don't want to listen to old people talk about things behind paywalls all the time, which is what we seem to do. Well, well, you well, do. actually, yeah. I, I mean, for example, our last show, we uh, probably pissed off a lot of people. Yes. By talking about discrimination. Sad puppies. Uh, the sad puppies. Do you know what I, the sad puppies are? I have 
here's my take on it. I am aware of enough of it to know it's a thing and aware of it enough to go, yeah, I just want to read books. I'm staying out of it. Yeah. Well, well, we didn't. <laughs> so it's like we're probably going to get we, some we Well, it was nice seeing you. Yeah. We touched on it. Um, but anyway, I wanted to, to talk about uh, some stuff coming out soon. Um, actually, in December, there's a, uh, a new uh, movie coming out, Alita Battle Angel, which looks very good. Um, that'll be at the theaters. And the uh, series is set in the post-apocalyptic future. Uh, it focuses on Alita, who is a cyborg who has lost all memories and is found in a garbage heap by a cybernetics doctor. What are the odds? I mean, if you're a cybernetics doctor, you're probably always going through garbage heaps. Well, they explain so, that. Well, it's, a okay. little, it's a little probably more common. Than in the post-apocalyptic future, well, that would like, make sense. It's like everybody's an engineer me, now. Yeah. How, how, much, how much backstory do you want here? Because I can actually explain why he's digging through the trash with yes. that, I think. Let's. Will it ruin I it? Wanna, I want to hear about I don't want to okay. ruin it. You, I'm okay. I, I'm, well, I'm you guys gonna, cover I, your ears. I, <laughs> I'm not going to just flash spoilers on the screen. It's, it's not like a huge spoiler. Um, this is the the setting for this is there's there's a, a city floating above them in the clouds. And that is where all the affluent folks live. OK. And the city below in which you find the doctor is a. It's, it's basically where all their hole. refuse comes, and, oh, okay. and they, they don't have a whole lot in the way of supplies. So when he's digging through the trash, that's actually he's a means for of spare him parts. for spare parts. That's where he finds that because it is literally the stuff they're throwing away from the, the cloud affluent city. cloud city above. Gotcha. So mm. everything that, that they show you in that trailer will make sense in context. Gotcha. Comedy. So the underlying theme is stratification. Those that have, those that have it's, not. It, and he sounds like he had a doctorate in the liberal arts. Well, he... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know. I, know. I just like liberal artists can actually make robots. Well, no, but he's living down below the cloud city. Well... Is he living there or is he just scavenging there? I That is actually a plot point. I don't oh. want to give that away. Okay, well, then we well, won't do that. But. I, I could tell you as somebody that grew up on the original uh, anime and the manga, um, it is... Absolutely, we're seeing that the if if they're true to the source material, it's going to be exciting, violent, um, and and have some really good philosophical questions that come along with it. Um, particularly with James Cameron, seeing what he's done with with just about everything he's touched. Yeah. If if I ever got excited about a a realistic adaptation of of a a cartoon or, or manga source material, it's this. I'm I'm crazy excited for this movie. It's been in development for almost 20 years. So, wow. so right. Are they going to make this and we have to wait 10 years for part 2, 3, 4, and 5 well, like they're doing with uh, Avatar? I, I could tell you that Alita's... The, there's two manga series that came out. There, there was... Um, and in Japan, it's called uh, Gun M. But uh, here in the States, they have Battle Angel Alita and then Battle Angel... Battle Angel Alita New Order. Um, and I'm pretty sure that this covers the first story arc. Um, the second story arc is something entirely different. I'll be curious to see if they they touch it with a Delve future movie. It. I think a lot of it will depend on how this is received. But um, I, I'm just... I, well, I cannot tell you how excited I am for this. Like I'm, I'm doing Italian hands and everything. Nice. Like it's You are, yeah. It's high on my list. It's going to be a good movie. So yeah. that'll be out in December. 
And then um, following that, uh, there's a new sci-fi series. On a real quick note, yeah. is there such a thing as a non-post-apocalyptic future? Because that seems to be all the futures that they seem to be rolling Star out. Trek. Well, it's not well. It's not that bad if you're one of the elite living in the clouds. Takes place after World War Three. Are you? Well, true. Well, which which version of Star Trek? Walmart. Which which universe are we talking about? The J.J. Abrams one. The the. Ooh, well, J.J. Abrams would be after World War Three, the post-apocalyptic, because yeah. it's Kirk's and era. And Discovery Universe, which is Prime, they just went through some serious stuff with the Klingons. True. And Tar- Tarantino's Star Trek. I think is going to give Sizzle. us a whole new interesting <laughs> yeah. idea about what Star Trek is. Yeah, so. I think that could be interesting. Quick quick question, since this is the right group to ask about this. And this is something I've been curious about with J.J. Abrams' reboot. Yeah. It's very clear that, that Kronos has, has been destroyed, right? You see it yeah. mm-hmm. in, in the movie. And In the Abrams universe? Yeah. The Kronos has been the, destroyed. You're talking about Vulcan. The, the moon on, on Klingon. Oh, oh. Uh, Vulcan was destroyed. No, no, no. The moon on Klingon. So oh, if Praxis. Praxis. Sorry, sorry. If that was not uh, Abrams though, because yeah. undis- un- undiscovered country, right? That yeah. was the the That's catalyst the for them. Universe. The whole premise of that was Praxis being destroyed. The Klingons wanting to talk. If Please. you go back and rewatch the movies when they show the Klingon home planet, that mo- that moon has been destroyed or starting to to collapse. So that's taking place, and in the the original movies, that was the catalyst for them joining the Federation, or at least coming to a peace treaty. Which movie? The Ah, was it beyond? I want to say no, uh, no. I want to say it was. um, Was it the Into Darkness? Into Darkness. Okay. When they visit the 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 Klingon Mm -hmm. home planet. I will take a look at that. Uh, Go back and rewatch it, and and look for that, and you'll see that that moon starting to collapse. All right. I, I particularly was disappointed because they did that whole setup they talked about in the first movie with the, with the Klingons, uh, talk about in the second movie, and it just feels like they haven't addressed it at all. The moon? Since. No, no, no the, just the, the tension with the Klingons. It's always on the outskirts. Like, so. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, especially after, yeah, and beyond, they basically invaded Klingon space and, and nobody did anything. So. Well, and one of the things I always okay, enjoyed I about. to get up and leave. Oh. All right, you got to head out. Personal reasons. Ah, <laughs> okay, that's fine. I think he's got to go to the bathroom. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'll let you out. Well, one, one of the things that I always enjoyed about Star Trek was the politics, which is probably not a popular answer, but the, no, I, I, it is for I me. Think I, it I is. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing how the the different races or different civilizations interact and the different accords they've had to come to and, you know, the politics between the Romulans and everybody. It, it, that's, that was always interesting for me. And so the Abrams movies have been like, man, that's really just kind of non-existent. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that's because the, I feel it's more generated for, and this may sound like a cop-out, but millennials who want more flashy things, which is kind of what the, the Abrams universe is. It's very uh, fast-paced, Fighty, a lot of firing of guns and driving I mean, of motorcycles for some reason. Catered to a more general audience, yeah. Well, Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to sidetrack. No, that's okay. So, but but I mean the cerebralness of of the original series. Uh, I don't know. Might it's not that uh, original series people were more intelligent. It's that uh, they probably had to act more. So yeah, you, you, you had to use your imagination that. more, and therefore you know. It's not. It's not a. Could rely on the CGI and. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much you could do with with little plastic models and wire. Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah, the most important part about the Klingons in the JJ verse seems to be the new little rings they have in their ridges, rather than anything having to do with Klingon culture. 
But no, I dig, I dig where you're coming yeah. from on that. I, I, I'm just, and, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but I swear, if you go back and watch Into Darkness, that that oh, moon will. is is either destroyed or or in the process of collapsing. Well, maybe it was supposed to be because it's like in the in the prime universe, it's only what, fifteen years at that point away from destruction. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, maybe it was getting ready to anyway. But I mean, I, I'll, I will take a look. Yeah. Okay, and then um, the other thing I wanted to mention is there's a new sci-fi series on YouTube Premium, which is another another paywall service. Um, but um, where would we be without paywalls? It this follows, whole podcast would be impossible without paywalls. Right. Uh, it follows uh, a 16-year-old uh, girl named Henrietta, or Henry, as she's called in the series, who discovers she has the ability to teleport. The first time she realizes this, she's in a truck with her high school's golden boy who tries to rape her. Uh, she has a seizure and teleports, and in the course of which she inadvertently crushes him, leaving him a paraplegic. The show goes on to explore uh, Henry's need to reconcile what her assaulter tried to do with the consequence and her feelings about discovering she can teleport with her feelings about the assault. Now, I'm going to make a point of contention with you, yeah. Bill, and I want you to, to I, I want you to defend this. Why is that sci-fi? I told you that. Yeah, I said, well, yeah, when you yeah, showed well, us the clip, it's not sci-fi, it's horror. It says... It's okay. a horror genre movie, Well, dude. this was the article that came out and said it's a new sci-fi series on YouTube. That's what YouTube's marketing it as. I'm, and, I'm not picking on you, can, I'm just and she can as to what your Well, she can teleport. Hmm. I wonder it's teleportation. Who said that. Well, hmm. but is that is that sci-fi or is that fantasy? Because to me, that'd be more of the, the, the fantasy realm, particularly if it's something that, that... Well, yeah. She's not... Exactly. Are the X-Men sci-fi? Because they have teleporters. I, I would but put that yeah. more in fantasy. Yeah. yeah well, think, we do fantasy here. Yeah. We do. We do. But, but, but the, the article I read specifically stated YouTube considers it a sci-fi series. No. Right. Well, so, uh, well, I don't, some sort don't of believe everything YouTube tells you, man. That right. could still be... Well, and, science and, doesn't well, have to be mechanical. Just, just watching yeah. that clip, it, it's, it's obviously not... It's not. You, I, you can make but, a, a, a fantasy but I horror. Think we all thought that it, to looked, it, but it, it looked horror. Is, yeah, it's horror. Like it's like it, right. if you saw the clip, you I, would see that it has more of a horror overture. I don't know if I would put that in in horror. I, I to me, that's just more. There, there is. Do you want to show the clip? He saw it. He was here. There's a, oh. a a. Was he? Yeah. There, oh. There's a. There's a line, right? Fantasy on one end and sci-fi on the other. And I, I would put that more towards the fantasy side. Yeah. But uh, it's... And we were talking about this a little earlier. There there, there really isn't a whole lot that, that's hard sci-fi yeah. out there. Yeah, right. Um, even Star Trek, I would say, is closer to, to fantasy than, than sci-fi, d- depending on the series you're watching, just because it, while they do try to put science in it a lot mm. of it is is just kind of stuff they're throwing yeah, at the wall like and warp and drive is a myth it doesn't it doesn't exist right. uh, well, yeah, impulse but engines but, phasers, science. but, but yeah. science fiction well, is supposed to be it's yeah it's postulations I mean, on science I, I, but I, right. I think the where star trek gets deeper into the fantasy elements is is, is some of the, the the way like the alien races interact and some of the motivations it's there is a, a there's every so often they run into some gods yeah. yeah, that's right. fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't want to talk about that movie. 
empaths and things like that. But and like, like, well, like Doctor Who, for example, right? They, people would want to say that's that's sci-fi, but it's it, when you can solve every problem with your MacGuffin magic wand. Yeah, and your MacGuffin paper. You forgot about you the know, MacGuffin paper. It, yeah. That's that's more in the fantasy element. Right. And, but that's actually yeah, that's what you want though. It's like well, it's, yeah. After this history of Doctor Who, you realize that, you know you want the MacGuffin. Well, in, yeah, in Doctor but, Who. Well, yeah. The I I, that, did, I didn't mind the socks on glasses. I, d- I, d- I didn't either. I, didn't I thought mean. that was weird, but it's like yeah. it's a new thing. Switch it up. It's like this whole new series. The, my favorite the part doctor. of the my favorite part of the sonic glasses was when they were picked up by the first doctor, and he's putting them on. He's looking around and and he says, "What well, sonic glasses?" You know, he didn't like the idea, and the the. Thirteenth Doctor says, "Oh, you'll love him. You'll learn to love him." And then the first Doctor says, "What is browser history?" And he reaches over and grabs him, yeah. <laughs> snatches him off his head. Okay, okay. I, I'm just throwing this out there. This is a little PG thirteen topic, but this was something I, I was in a discussion with friends about the other day. The Doctor is thousands of years old. Yeah, I thought he was nine hundred years old. No, 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 no. Kurt. Uh, I, I, I mean, depending on your, your version of canon, we're, we're talking either thousands or billions now. Right. Um, the, this is a, a, a person, and I, I suppose I use that term loosely when talking. This, this, a is, being. this is a being that has access to, to all of, of, of the universe throughout all of time. Yeah. Any perversion. Yeah, that that he may have. Wait, no, that's the word you say, and you're saying yes. That's I was what I was looking for. I know. I can tell where he's pre- going. Uh, predilection is, is, yeah, that, is yeah. that the word? Yeah. I, anything that th- this being might be into, they could find an appropriate time and place <laughs> where that would be catered to. And, and you have to think if you've lived for thousands of years, <laughs> right. It's sort of the theory that if it's on me... It just makes you wonder what Rose was into. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's sort of the the, yeah. the, the same thing that it, if it exists or if it's on the internet, there's porn of yeah. it or something like that, right? Yeah. But if it's... yeah, I, I always but just had to laugh. Like, you have access to all of time and space. And yet you go to New Earth in the future where people are dying of horrible diseases. Yeah. So, well, yeah. No, I see. But it's like... It's being tended like to by cat people. The, so, yeah. The 70s had certain proclivities, right, that were yeah. probably introduced, I'm presuming. Yeah. But yeah, a billion years ago... Oh right, yeah. That, yeah. That's that's why I'm saying it's like or, there, there's, there's. If I, I, I mean, think about just food, right? You have all of creation throughout all of time. You could eat the best meals. But after a while, you're gonna say, "Well, I've eaten literally all of history's best steaks. Where do I go from here?" Yeah. Right. Right. That that's that's kind of way. You just stick with the best. But, but then when you don't every, have the sample. It's, it's, yeah, you're, you're an IT person. You, yeah. you understand this mentality. When everything's a high priority, nothing is. Right. Right? When everything's the best, nothing is. Right. Yeah. So, so how do you continue to... I think he'd have to start hunting extinct animals and, and cooking them himself. Yeah. Where do you find the entertainment? That's, that's the, the quintessential problem of being immortal, right? Because yeah. sooner or later, you you've bored. seen it all, done it all. You've, you're bored, and what's there to live for anymore? So... 
Well, listen, we're uh, <laughs> we're already eighteen minutes. We're gonna end it on that note. Yes. Well, that's yeah. That's kind of. Hopefully, sad. the audience won't go out and do anything <laughs> drastic. If any of you are immortal, please tune in next Whatever week. Whatever good go karma away I built up before that just completely went out the door. <laughs> right. No, no, no. You made a valid point. And yeah, it's you didn't actually make it. Bill kind of took it to that next level. Yeah. So good for Bill. Yes. Good for Bill. So anyway, um, Josh, I want to thank you for joining us. Yes, for this thank podcast. you, sir. Anytime. Very, Very much. entertaining. And we appreciate it, and good luck with uh, your future cosplay endeavors. We'll be actively following your we'll See you on at British on Fest, and, and we'll see you at on the 11th. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for anybody genuinely curious, I, I will be at British Fest on August. Um, well, and uh, for anyone listening, by the time they hear this, British Fest will be over. 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 Yeah. Well, then I will be at and, Wizard World Chicago. And they will have listened to our live podcast from British Fest. Right. Uh, yeah. We are going to do gonna live do podcast. Yeah. The, our fifth will be at British Fest. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, um, thanks, uh, everybody, for listening. Um, um, unfortunately, we lost Audie for yeah. a little bit here. But uh, anyway, he'll be back soon, I assure you. So um, on behalf of uh, Charles and John mm-hmm. and Josh, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Don't get Bye. bored. Yeah. Bye. Don't live forever. Uh, (laughs) don't live forever thanks for listening to this episode of the galactic driftwood podcast for more information and past episodes please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space and now please deactivate your cranial downlinks collect your towels and be sure to watch your step as you exit the gravity well